1: To find out more about our fundraiser, visit FindingGeniusFoundation.org and click on Current Initiatives. And now, to our guest. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have a returning guest, Pamela A. Popper. Uh, She's the founder and president of Wellness Forum Health, and they offer educational programs to both consumers and providers that help you make medical decisions, diet and lifestyle intervention decisions, and improve your long-term health outcomes, and doing it in a way that Encompasses not just let's say traditional medicine, but uh, additional avenues. Pam also serves on the Physicians Steering Committee and the President's Board for the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine in Washington, D.C. A very busy lady. Uh, she's been uh, talking about COVID since it first came out, and the real deal on the, well, you know what's been going on. At times, it's very hard to listen to, but it also is a light of hope. I've been watching her videos for quite a long time on YouTube, and uh, I literally consider her a, a lifesaver and an inspiration. Uh, throughout this whole crisis. So that's why I want to talk to her again and get an update on, on how the fight's going. So Pam, thanks for coming back.
2: Well, thank you. It's always fun to talk to you. You ask great questions.
1: Well, tell me what's what's happening. Uh, you know, we're recording this uh, near the end of July, 2021. It's been you know a year and a half of this nightmare ridiculousness. What's, um, what's happening with the COVID situation right now from your perspective?
2: Well, I think the first thing is that the ruling class and the people who put this all together are in trouble and they know it. If you've noticed, they're they're always trying to come up with something to keep this thing going. And they're just not gaining much traction. You know, I looked at uh, Kaiser Family Foundation did a, a survey of all the counties in the United States, all of them. And um, the, re- the reason they did it is they wanted to make it look like um, Biden's followers were much more responsible than Trump's. And that did, you know, depending on how you define responsible, but in their case, it's vaccines, right? Well, the vaccination uptake in counties that Biden carried, 35 percent, counties that Trump carried, 28 percent, which means that the the, the actual percentage of vaccinated people in our country is someplace a little over 30 percent, right? Well, that's not what they had in mind. Now, they've hurt and killed a lot of people with these vaccines already, but having said that, they wanted to hurt and kill a whole lot more, and um, and and we've definitely, uh, when I say we, collectively, people have just refused to go along, and so I think that's a a good sign, I really do, and I think, um, you know, they're talking about masking everybody, and um, I don't think that's going to go over well at all. The schools are getting, uh, you know, aggressive about rules for this fall, and so um, right before I, I logged on to this uh, conversation here. I got an email. The state of Ohio, everybody expected they were going to come out and mandate masks in the schools, and they didn't. Um, they just said, well, we'll have to let every school system make up their mind and that kind of thing. And I think the biggest reason, they want to do it. It's just so wildly unpopular, and the parents are screaming and hollering like mashed cats. And so so the bottom line is that they're, they're just running around like chickens with their head cut off from crisis to crisis from lawsuit to lawsuit we've been filing something every couple of weeks and yeah so i think I, I guess all this to say it's on the one hand it's like exhausting we're still here after all this time we're going to be doing this for another 25 years i got news for you buckle up right but but if i if we were losing this and i thought that they were gaining more and more control i'd be really upset but i think it's the other way around so
1: all that's good, good to all hear yeah considered yeah I know recently there was a worldwide protest in dozens and dozens of countries against the lockdowns and everything. I don't know. Do you see the United States going a different way from the rest of the world? It seems like, you know, thankfully here, I told many people this. If you live in another country, the leader says X, the whole country does it. Here, at least, different states can assert their sovereignty. And if you don't like where you are, you can move in certain circumstances. So at least the U.S., thank, thank goodness, um, it's not just monolithic in his response. But what do you think is going to happen from here? I, I see the um, you know, they're trying to demonize unvaccinated people and say they're bad. and They're the cause of all the problems. And but what do you see is happening right now?
2: Well, I think, first of all, you know, the protests and everything are fine. They just don't change anything. You know, everybody protests and then they go home and go back to being compliant. What would really change something is if a million people gathered in the downtown area of Berlin and then refused to go back home and, and close their businesses and all that stuff. So, so you know, we're still one of the things that is still you know kind of the bane of my existence is protests are fun, petitions are easy, declarations are easy. Everybody wants to do the easy stuff, and and a lot of people don't want to do the hard work. So you have to differentiate between theater which is what a protest is, and a place to meet people in a big street party versus something that's actually going to change the way you live your life right now. So that brings us to the United States, where there's certainly protests and that sort of thing. But I think there's much more meaningful stuff going on. And it's exactly what you said, that we have a very decentralized government. And um, our constitution places most power in the hands of the states, and then even the counties and cities have a lot of power. So if you watch what's going on in Washington, D.C., it's terrifying. I mean, we really do have a bunch of criminals in charge of our government. We have criminals in charge at the state level, too. But what what stands in the way of everything being terrible is you have some governors doing some good things, Right and it's just enough to make the whole thing inconsistent and to and to give the public reason to start questioning everything. And so and, and so just and I think this is why the 70% of people, 68% roughly of people not being vaccinated is significant. Why is that? Because certainly it seemed like more than that percent, you know, more than 32% were on board with all of this nonsense a year ago. Well, I think that some people still are on board with it because they don't think much but but I think there are other people who are saying, okay, so they said that when they opened up Florida, everybody was gonna die. Well, they didn't. And then when Christy Nome didn't shut down South Dakota, everything was gonna be disastrous there. Well, you didn't see any videos of people do- dropping dead in the street. And you know that they would have shown him if they could. They just ignored it, right? They just ignored Florida. They ignored South Dakota because it didn't fit in with the narrative. And then I think by now everybody knows somebody who's been hurt or killed by the vaccine. So that's a big problem, you know. So so the here they're having a lot of trouble of keeping control of the narrative and um it, it, there are plenty of videos online about Fauci being creamed watching him being creamed in front of congress he clearly lied he's being called on it so the, the media still love him and you know there he still has his followers but but um he's losing control of the narrative he can't make people respect him and i thought that his interchange with Rand Paul was really interesting because of what it showed is he does not do well under pressure And boy, if you're a Hmm. criminal and a liar, you have to be able to do well under pressure. And he completely came unglued. And that was really good news for me to see. So that's how I read it.
1: So what do you think is going to be uh, some of the turning points over the next months or a year? Any big changes coming or how do you think it's going to proceed (laughs) from here on both sides?
2: Well, I think it's hard to hard to know because we have some wild cards. The politics, you can't ignore the politics part of it. We try to and make Americans free again because we don't want to get into discussions that make people sideways. But I'll do it here in a little bit different environment. This business with the election, you're going to have some states that withdraw their electors. We could end up in a civil war. And that would, if that happened, you know, if, it, if you started seeing states seceding from the union, which isn't out of the realm of possibility, a lot of historians think that that could happen. Um, if it happened, I don't think it, I, I think that the focus would be on that and not on who's wearing a mask or getting a vaccine. That would just destroy the whole narrative because something else would completely eclipse it. Another thing that can happen, we're starting to do well in court.
1: Before we continue... the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests and more. Visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show.
2: And, and we've done well up until now. I mean, we've, by filing, we've kept some, some bad things from happening because it just becomes uncomfortable when they're, under the scrutiny of the court. But now we're getting into court and we're actually having hearings and that sort of thing. And It's starting to be interesting. We had one in Kentucky on Friday. And you, know, you don't know what the judge is going to decide. All you can do is judge by what you saw. And I try to not put on rose-colored glasses because I really do need to be objective and I don't want to drink my own Kool-Aid. But if you look at how that hearing went, most of the questions were directed at our legal team. And I thought that the other, the the, the defense, uh, which is representing the governor, I thought that they appeared very weak and inept. Um, they really didn't know how to answer questions and didn't have very much to say, even to the point of objecting, you know, uh, to things. They didn't even huh, bother to do that. So, so uh, and we've got some other hearings coming up. There's one tomorrow in a different state. So so that's going on. We could we could uh, win a case which that would be appealed. But that the point is that a win deals a lot or addresses public opinion, even if it's you know. what are like some of the ones.
1: early wins you've had so far? Like you, you know, you said it's starting to go decently or go well. What does that mean specifically? Like what's been accomplished?
2: Well, I'll start with Ohio because we were the model state. Okay, so, so uh, we know that they were talking to our little emperor in early 2020 because this was going to be the model state and we were the first for everything we were first to shut down first to close schools first to close bars and restaurants. Uh, first to require masks we are the first to have a million dollar lottery thing. And everybody else does it. So if you look, it always happens here first. So we filed on August 31st last year. And that day, our little emperor was talking about isolation camps and let it slip that the federal government would reimburse him for it. But we never heard about that again. And you notice the rest of the country shut down a second time. We didn't. He put in a uh, curfew that was never enforced. We tried to get somebody arrested. We really worked hard to do that. We couldn't get anybody arrested. Um, Then he put in a rule that- Why did you try to get
1: someone arrested, by the way?
2: Oh, because we wanted to go to court. So we sent teams of people driving around Ohio from 10 to 5 during the curfew. We told them, go through police stations and honk your horn and all that kind of stuff. We really need to get some people uh, arrested. We couldn't. They wouldn't. So that happened. And then you said, well, if your business is caught two times with not without enforcing masks, we'll shut you down for 24 hours. So we sent people around to self-report. They wouldn't shut anybody down. So life in Ohio has been, I don't like the way things are here, but compared to every place else, if you had to be in an affected state, you'd want to be here because it was not anywhere near as bad as in the other places. And he he really never did much in the way of enforcement. The one case that was actually going to go to trial involved a restaurant in Ashland County that had been cited a bunch of times because they never shut down. They never had masks. They never did social distancing or plexiglass places packed every night. And uh, the guy who was defending the restaurant asked for evidence that the mitigation practices were effective and that they worked in Ohio. And rather than show up to defend the case or prosecute the case, they just didn't show up and, and they won by default. Well, if you're trying to teach everybody a lesson and get them to comply, why don't you show up for the one case in Ohio where you really could shut somebody down and teach everybody a lesson, right? They didn't Yeah,
1: that's weird.
2: So that's 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 part of it. Uh, We filed um, uh, we've taken some cases that are interesting in Hawaii, which is like a police state right now. Our state leader got arrested for not signing an order to quarantine at the airport and then not quarantining when she got home. So they arrested her. And our 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 group's attorney out there is really uh, excellent guy, a great character. I mean, he has a lot of good character, but he also is a really good lawyer. And he's representing her in that case. And the beautiful thing is, you know, if the state accuses you of a crime, then you have to get discovery, right? And so um, it's interesting. We think we'll um, we we've got a hearing on that tomorrow. So that may they they were all excited when they arrested her because when they hauled her out in handcuffs, it, doesn't that teach all the neighbors a lesson about you better comply? But all of a sudden, she shows up in a court with a high-powered lawyer who's asking for discovery. Well, that isn't turning out so well for him, is it?
1: If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes.
2: So we have a lot of that kind of stuff going on right now. and, um, well, and What finally, was the crime
1: that they alleged that uh, she committed?
2: Uh, violating the quarantine rules.
1: Was it Were they arrested leaving Hawaii or in another no. state, or where were they arrested?
2: No. See, Hawaii's got, like I said, it's a police state. So if you go to even another, if you fly to another city in Hawaii and you fly back home, When you land, you have to quarantine for 14 days. And they make you sign a thing at the airport. Well, she refused to sign it. They finally let her go. And then she went home and she refused to stay home. So they arrested her. And of course, you know, this stuff is supposed to teach people a lesson. And what they figure is that most people will say, wow, I didn't know I was going to get really in all this trouble and pay their small fine. And then, you know, that teaches everybody a lesson. Well, instead she goes, no, I'm not paying the fine. I'm going to challenge it. And I've got a high-powered lawyer with me. Well, that's not... (laughs) All of a sudden, you're not scaring people anymore. They start scaring you when you're the government. That's not good, the way this is supposed to go, right?
1: Well, I'm glad that the uh, you know the, the local government can be affected. It just seems like, I don't know, nothing. It, it just feels like nothing can be done and they just have all the money in the world and anything you do will just get buried and obfuscated.
2: No, the, the way, I'm a World War II buff and um, you have to, I've, I've read more about that than probably anything else other than health and medicine. But um, if you look at World War II, you know, it really looked like Hitler was going to win for a while. It did. And and think about if you read um, The Splendid and the Vile, that's uh, Eric Larson's book about Winston Churchill uh, in the time leading up to when the United States got involved in the war. And um, and it was horrible. I mean, there were 2700 buildings destroyed in London from the bomb- bombing alone, just London alone. And the country was just getting pummeled and the whole nine yards. And so it looked like they like the English were going to be speaking German. And it also looked like Hitler was going to get his way in Europe. And then he did what all criminals do. And that's what our criminals are doing now, overplayed their hand. All right. He should have left England alone and he should never have gotten involved in the Russian thing. And that's what actually brought him down. And that's what's happening here. When they started this whole business about, you know, what they're doing in the schools this fall, they're overplaying their hand. Uh, When they started talking about, you know, we might mask everybody up again and pushing this vaccine. I mean, they've just overplayed their hand. And, And I think that where they're where they're in big trouble is, that And I've said this for a long time. When this all started, there were um, two distinct groups of people, but I kept saying there was a third group. Okay, so the, the groups everybody recognized, you've got the sheep, and they are sheep. I mean, people who bought this ridiculous story and continue to buy it, its a it's like being inducted into a cult. They're not necessarily yeah, stupid yeah. people, but they're susceptible. But here's my point. There's a, there were the sheep and then there were people like you and I, and then in the middle were a bunch of people who were just busy trying to figure life out. And these people have awakened now and they're looking around and they're going, this is the biggest crack of baloney I've ever seen in my life. I mean, this, I'm not going along with it. And so we're picking up people, they're losing people. And I think that's part of how we're going to end up winning this.
1: I don't know. It seems like I, I'm just amazed that any place still locks down. I'm seeing that Australia recently did it again, and several countries are doing it. I mean, it's just—I I just don't get it. I don't get how these these populations are allowing this. But I mean, what would it take? What do you think it's going to take in America to undo this? And what do you think it would take in other countries to undo it?
2: Well, the problem that you have in in countries like Australia is you've got a top-down government for, for the most part. Same thing in the UK. And you've got people who are just a whole lot less rowdy than we are in the United states we're we, you know we haven't gone there's a whole population of people who are just sheep and indoctrinated into communism and all that stuff, but we have a lot of rowdy people like you and I in this country who make a lot of trouble. We're not going to take this lying down. I think that the way it's going to get solved is a combination of lawsuits um outright refusal to comply. I think that the schools are going to be flabbergasted at how many kids don't go to school this year. Uh, Empty school buildings, that'll get their attention. You know, people just refusing. If they try to lock down a third time, I'm sure that there will be some people go sit in the basement with their mask on. But I think there are a lot of people who are going to say, listen, I barely survived the last time. I'm not doing it. I'm just not doing it. Come and arrest me. I don't care. My restaurant's open. We're not doing this anymore, having been through it one time. And so it is like herding cats. That's what they're that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to come up with some kind of messaging that gets people on board. So look at what happened. Let's go back to Ohio. I know most about what happens here because I live it every day. So um, they started the big vaccine clinics. And of course, we're supposed to be the leaders and everything. And then they had to start closing them down because people weren't showing up. So then our little emperor says, well, we're going to have the mobile vaccine van. We're going to make it easy for people to get the vaccines. Well, that lasted for one day because they parked it in front of a building with 50,000 people in it and less than a dozen people got a vaccine in eight hours. Well, that didn't work. So then they did the lottery and that actually didn't work. There's been a great analysis of Ohio and all the other states they couldn't bribe them into doing it right so so millions of dollars won't make people get the vaccine so so they they keep trying to come up with something then it's the delta variant and then we might have to start wearing masks again and what they're finding is that people are just yawning and saying okay yeah whatever okay So, so I think that I don't want to make it sound like, you know, all we have to do is just wait it out and it's going to be fine. That's the worst possible thing we can do. And that's why I don't sleep much. And I get up every day and work at this is every hour I have. But having said that, I see a lot of encouraging signs because they're not scaring people like they used to. And there's only, and I think the other thing they're going to have to do, they're going to have to throw Fauci and maybe Gates under the bus. And, um, and and I see that you don't see that coming to Fauci. They they're That'd not coming awesome. to Fauci's defense much, if you
1: notice. I'm just amazed that he has the balls to say to Rand Paul, "You're a liar," and just not care. I mean, I it's weird. I, I, I just don't get it. But
2: oh, I get I guess it. will be he's, proved
1: out, you know?
2: No, he's 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 arrogant, and he's never been challenged. And that was the happen when I watched that. I I wished I wasn't by myself, but rather in a room full of people, so we all could have opened champagne and toasted. Because the, the part of being a really good criminal is the ability to keep a poker face and handle the questions that come at you so that you you don't call somebody a liar and lose your temper, but rather you turn the story, which he used to be really good at. When he's not under pressure, he's very good at answering questions and, and swaying people to his point of view, but he's not any good under pressure. And what that means is that there will probably be more explosions like that, and God only knows what might come out of His mouth when He's mad, because people who have a temper don't generally do very well in these kinds of situations. So I thought that was great.
1: If someone can depose him, that would be good, because well, that's we're going not, to we
2: sued him personally in one lawsuit.
1: Has anyone sued his wife? Because I've heard that she's a head of merit of uh, the ethics of experimentation on on human beings. So that might be a way to. It might well, be she's necessary ten- to, She's to, not to really.
2: At least at this juncture, we don't see her involvement as being very direct. But having said that, if there's some way that she ends up getting tied into this or that a general house cleaning that happens as a result of all of this, I expect that a lot of federal agencies, by the time this is all said and done, whatever that is, will have been cleaned out. It's the draining of the swamp that everybody thought was going to happen you know, before, but now is going to happen because the swamp can't survive the scrutiny. The swamp has finally gone too far.
1: Hey, you know what I realized recently? I, I don't know if you think this, but in a way it might have been necessary for Trump not to get back because now a lot of people are like, you know, their backs are against the wall. There's nowhere to go. There's no help. So now they're fighting back a lot more, it seems like. And it It seems like, unfortunately, maybe we had to get to this point for people to stand up and do something. And it's not just surrounding Trump, but surrounding the coronavirus, too.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I think that there were there were a lot of people who thought that Trump was going to land on the parachute onto the South Lawn and save them all. There isn't any one person who's going to save us all. We're going to save us all, right? Collectively, we're going to save us all. And um, and I think that probably getting him, if if somehow he had been able to hold on to being president uh, during that time, we would have had four more years of this, half of the country on one side, half the country on the other, screaming and hollering at each other, and everybody calling everybody names in the whole nine yards. And maybe it would have ended this COVID thing sooner, but it would have just kicked the can down the road to make everything right in a way that is sustainable. And, um, and and it takes more people. There's no one person who can do this for us. We have to get involved on our own behalf. And that's that's what my organization is all about. It basically says, I mean, I've told people for a year, everybody has to go to work in our organization, because if you think you're going to sit in Kansas City or wherever it is that you live and wait for a bunch of people in Ohio to report the happy news that we solved this problem for you, um, good luck with that. That isn't going to happen. If we're going to fix this, it's going to be because we all get together, work together, and decide that we're going to fix this, right? That's what's going to fix it.
1: Yeah, no, it needs to be an overwhelming response from everywhere and everything. So the lawsuits that you're engaged in, you said they're, they're, slowly, I guess, helping and putting pressure. But for the average person that maybe is not involved in a lawsuit, what can they do to help push back against the the COVID tyranny?
2: Join Make Americans Free again. You know, there's the reason we're in this situation is that is the failure to define the issue in a way that affected everybody. So this is where they actually helped us. This now affects everybody. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is not having a big enough group of people organized under a simple umbrella that could strike and make bad things go away. So the first thing is, this is an episode of medical tyranny. That's all I want to deal with. I'm not taking on any of this other stuff everybody wants to talk about all day long. I find it fascinating. I like to read about it. But, but in terms of issues, let's keep it simple. Medical tyranny. I want the right to do what I want to do with my body. I want to make those decisions for my minor kids, All right. And then what you have to do is get about 80 million people to say, I want that too." simple platform. All right. So part of the problem with the political parties is they want to enumerate everything. You can't get five people to agree on even half of it. So simple platform and then simple steps. We're only going to engage in about five activities that everybody on our team agrees with. Keep everything else out and gather the masses until we get to a place where we're 80 million strong. And if we had had this when this all started, it would have been over by Memorial Day because the voting block in Ohio would have threatened the legislature, particularly during an election year, and said, you're gonna get rid of the sky or you're gonna change the law or you're gonna do something to intervene, but we're not living like this anymore. 60 days is enough for us. And until we do that, we're going to be at the whim of any other criminal enterprise that comes along and wants to take control of our lives. So basically, you know, that's, that's what you can do to help and contribute money if you have it. We're going to have to raise $100 million to take all these cases to the Supreme Court, maybe more than that.
1: You mentioned that um, in particular with schools, if the schools are relatively empty, that's going to cause a stir. I mean, what, how can people, for instance, specifically with schools, how can parents, you know, stop the schools from the abuses i mean if enough kids don't go will that lower the school's budget or like how do you really hit them where it hurts
2: well the first thing is the teachers unions love all this stuff so what makes the teachers unions not love all this stuff is when they don't have any jobs all right so if there aren't any kids in the school you won't need many teachers to be in the school and you're not going to talk the you know the, the, get rid of this idea you're going to no- negotiate with crazy people All right. And so, you know, our our, uh, school superintendent here in Worthington, where I live, sent a parent an email thinking that she was kind of all on board with all this crap and, you know, said, well, we want to have a mask friendly environment. We won't force the masking, but we want to make it mask friendly. Well, you know what that means frightened kids wearing masks will bully kids that aren't masked and the masked adults will help them. That's happened in schools all over the country. So, and then at the end of the email, he goes, the thing we haven't figured out yet is how we're going to do the testing and quarantines. Right. That's an encouraging thing, right? So so you got to get your kids the heck out of those schools. And I'm convinced after what I've seen that once parents get their kids out of the schools, they go through the schooling process and get them into some type of productive education, they'll never send them back anyway. I think public education is going to be completely deconstructed at this point, and it needs to be. It's it's worthless. It's beyond worthless. It's a it's a way to terrorize and propagandize the next generation of kids. And parents are waking up to that. The worst, I'll tell you, that they've made serious mistakes when they sent all the kids home. Parents got a chance to see what was really going on with these schools, they couldn't believe it. I mean, they just can't believe it. That's why, how do you think all these people ended up screaming at the school systems about critical race theory and everything else? It's because- that's what I was gonna say.
1: Right, that's what I was gonna say is not only are they overplaying their hand with the masks and all this garbage, but uh, the critical race theory too, it's just making parents say, we're out of here, hopefully, and masks-
2: Yeah, that's exactly it. And then when the buildings are empty, either they'll do something to bring the parents and the kids back, or they won't. And it really doesn't matter. The parents get back in control. And we, we you really have to do this through force. You know, I, and I, I, I come off as a very aggressive person. I, I can be, and I am more so now than I've ever been. And the reason is because you can't fight people with these kinds of intentions by negotiating with them. You know, it's like going to the mafia in New York and saying, listen, you know, we'd could, we we'd like for you to stop killing people and um, collecting um, whatever the money is they collect from businesses for protection. We'd like for you to stop doing that. Certainly you guys know that that's not really being a very good citizen. They're gonna go, oh, okay, we're gonna change our ways. You, you can't negotiate with people like that. You have to just basically, how you deal with the mafia is you arrest people and they turn on their, their, uh, their friends. I think that's what's gonna happen with Fauci. Put enough pressure on him, he'll turn in his friends. And that's all the people we want to go after, but, but you can't negotiate. You have to, you have to apply force. And I think people are kind of figuring that out.
1: Well, what do you use to monitor the, um, you know, take the temperature of uh, what's going on or figure out what people are thinking? Like, how does it come to you? Is it come by emails or groups that you run or like, how do you know, how do you take the pulse of the country and what's going on?
2: I get emails from all over the world and, uh, And when this started, I used to get probably a third of the emails I got were hostile people who thought I was going to be participating in the mass murder of human beings by denying that there was a crisis and all this kind of stuff. I don't get much of that anymore. I I mean, like maybe I think in the last 6 months, 8 months maybe I've had 150 to 60 something emails and most of them came from the same five people, you know. So and I know I have a huge reach. So I, that's one way I look at it. Another thing is I subscribe to our local newspaper, if you even want to call it that. I call it the Columbus disgrace. It's actually called the Columbus Dispatch, but But I I look at that newspaper, it gives me a pretty good idea of the pulse of what's going on and um, and, uh, you know, the propagandizing and all that kind of thing. And um, even the the mainstream media is having trouble keeping the narrative going Uh, little things that they can't avoid covering kind of seep through and and that kind of stuff. So I look at that. I I try to, I I look at impact when we file a lawsuit, what happens, what, uh, I watch the floundering around. I mean, there's no way to describe it other than floundering around as you see them trying to, when we tried the, you know, we had the the vaccine clinics and then the vaccine vans, and then we tried to do the vaccine lotteries and that didn't work. And so then we tried passports and a bunch of states said, we're not going to do it. And you know, so they're they're just I, I just watch the chaos that they're going through, because if you take a look at how much control they had over most of the country last year at this time compared to now, it's it's horrible. Their goal was to vaccinate everybody. And they've been ridiculously unsuccessful. And their goal was to bankrupt small business. And they've done a lot of that, but they didn't eliminate it. And that's what they wanted to do. And so. It's um, it's just not going so well. And, and you can look around and see it if you know what their object, objectives were. I mean, Klaus Schwab says it all the time. You'll own nothing. You'll have nothing and you'll be happy about it. I don't see people buying what that guy's selling at all.
1: Well, he'll own everything. We won't. according Yeah. To, you and know, I don't see that. He'll be he'll, be he'll own stuff. There. I know. Yeah. And,
2: and here's here's part of the problem. You know, what you need, whatever you want to say about Trump, Trump is a charismatic leader, okay? And that's a problem for them. Who is their charismatic leader? Fauci? No. Gates? He has the personality of a worm. Klaus Schwab? Do you think anybody in the United States of America, except for the radical left, identifies with that guy? So part of their problem is they don't really have a charismatic person who leads this movement. Who can rally people around them and um, well, don't and, uh, don't
1: encourage them?
2: Yeah, well, they, yeah, but I I don't see anybody stepping up to take that place. You know what I mean? The the most charismatic person. I'm trying to think who is the most charismatic person in this movement, but um, they they really don't have anybody who who others. I think
1: I think by that. by their nature, they the people that really. I, I really do think there are puppet masters in the shadows, and they they push people forward as pawns to you know to carry this stuff out. Like they try to get stars, you know, pop stars or movie stars to tell you to you know be good and wear masks and all that. But yeah, I don't see anyone coming forward themselves and and advancing this. That's likable. They, but it seems but like that, they like to push people from behind.
2: That isn't working either. And I'll tell you that, that this is another thing. If you if you look at, I look at some metrics. That I don't think people pay much attention to. So one is um, the the viewership of various things, okay? So if you're gonna use movie stars and athletes and that sort of thing to carry your message, that's actually a very good idea. But if you take a look at who's paying attention, this is a big problem for them. So by way of example, I think it was in, um, trying to think of what year it was, like six or seven years ago, 45 million people watched the Academy Awards And it was like less than 9 million this year.
1: Also Um, too, one thing I I noticed, you know, after about six months of the Corona garbage, I said to my wife, I said, you know, it's funny. We haven't heard from movie stars or any of those celebrities for so long. I just forget about them. It's like the celebrity power is gone. So in a way they, they caused this problem themselves. Like if you haven't heard from, you know, John Smith in a year and a half, who cares? Right. They're not a celebrity anymore.
2: Well, and by that same token, the, the Olympics is off by 80% viewership. And did you notice all of our woke teams over there are not doing so well? The ones yeah. that, I mean, our, our teams were favored, a couple of them, and they're populated with these woke people. They're not doing so well. The, uh, I think that uh, CNN's viewership is so off, I might be able to afford to advertise with them. And that's, um, that's saying something, you know, they've lost by put it, by not having somebody that was charismatic enough to keep everybody watching the mainstream media to keep everybody fo- no, no athletes that have the star power to get everybody to watch the Olympics. I mean, everybody's just tuned out. And so, I mean, the, the, the audience worldwide watching this online is like 17 million people for the Olympics. That's, I mean, people used to be glued to the tube during the Olympics. I used to be. You know nobody cares
1: well, it was so, in a joke uh instead of the delta variant, they have the woke variant that has yeah. spread through the the radical left and infected them
2: yeah yeah exactly so so um so it's not going well and and of course, what everybody wants to see, everybody wants to see somebody hold out in handcuffs. And I think eventually that's going to happen, but but this is it takes a long time for something that's been brewing like this for a long time to crumble. And um, but I see it, I see it happening. Uh, and, and like I said, you know, the the dropping of viewership of the mainstream media, which is what kept everybody mesmerized, tells you that that uh, that they're not doing well at all.
1: So uh, again, I know it's impossible, crystal ball type stuff, but projecting forward through the end of this year and then next year you know in the US what do you see evolving or happening
2: we're just going to keep doing this until we win and um you can't really pred- there there's it's hard to know what's going to happen like like i said if we ended up in a civil war well that would take a lot of pressure off of me cuz i think everybody would be worried about the war and not so much about masks right or schools or whatever so you've got a lot of wild cards in there i think the only thing that that we can say for sure, is that a growing group of us are pretty committed to continuing to fight this with as much money as it takes and as much effort as it takes for as long as it takes to save our communities and our country and, um, and our civilization. And um, I worry about the rest of the world, but I also know that what happens here impacts the rest of the world. So if we can fix this, we'll do a lot for everybody else, too. And so that's that's all I can predict is what we're going to do. And we watch what happens and then we determine what we're going to do. So, for example, I received a couple of emails last night that are probably going to be the reason for another lawsuit. I won't tell you what it is right now for obvious reasons. So we just keep looking at what they do and figuring out our strategy. And and by the way, I want to mention something. And and I know everybody's trying to do what they can. But one thing that we've done, and I'm very proud of our group for this, is that people are justifiably hysterical about this and they run around and I even have a term for it. It's called pants on fire. All right. So the pants on fire approach to this is I'm hysterical and I'm angry and we have to file something tomorrow and I'm going to go to the school board and scream tonight. And everybody's just running around, waving their hands in the air. And I get that to a certain extent, but it doesn't help anything. All right. So sometimes you just have to sit back. And I, I, and I think that I, I compare our movement to when Winston Churchill just let the bombing happen night after night after night after night and said, the only way we're getting out of this is for the United States to get involved. So I don't know how many buildings we got to let them knock down, but we're going to do this however many it takes to get the United States involved, right? And so we're sort of like that. We have a very long view of this, a very strategic view of this. We spend a lot of time figuring out what is the smartest thing to do with the resources we have right now. And and we're the opposite of pants on fire. And I and more and more people are seeing the wisdom of that. And I and I can talk them off that ledge. I mean, I I can actually say to somebody through email, you know, it sounds like your pants are on fire. I totally get that, but I'm going to ask you to just calm down, take a deep breath, and look at the things that we are doing and see if you can see some wisdom in this. And generally speaking, they say, yeah, I think I, I think I understand what you're saying. You know,
1: I see all over the world though. You know, Until recently, countries were all doing the same thing. Who or what could have orchestrated something on a global scale to get almost all the countries of the world to say the same thing, do the same thing? Like Now that we've been in this for a year and a half and you have perspective, do you think that this was planned? Do you think that this was, I mean, what are your thoughts now you have a lot more data than we used to have?
2: Yeah, I wrote about it last year in my book. It's hard to imagine my book is almost a year out. OK, and it's I wrote about who planned it and how they did it. It was planned and um, it, it was planned. I think it was executed earlier than they thought they were going to have to do it. And I think that things didn't go as they hoped they would go. But um, when the World Health Organization had... Um, all countries sign a, an agreement in 2005, saying that they would act in unison. I think that was the be, might have been the beginning of it. I think that um, putting Tedros in that—he's uh, a criminal, just a common criminal—when they put him in the World Health Organization uh, as the head, that was part of it. They—they've done it before. They had had they, there have been fake pandemics before. This isn't the first one. They just did it on a smaller scale and they got away with it. And Margaret Chan, when she was director general of the World Health Organization in 2009, I mean, there, there were hearings in, in Europe about the fake pandemic and how much money it cost and how many people they killed with the vaccine and everything else. And she actually said, you know, we should not, we need to look at pandemics as an opportunity for social engineering. Let's not forget that. So, yeah, we didn't we didn't really have a pandemic and, you know, all that kind of stuff, but we sure did manage to rearrange some things. And, you know, so, so yes, they planned it. And... Um, and uh, the world acted in unison because the World Health Organization has a lot of power. I mean we put too much power in medicine period from the World Health Organization on down to your local doctor we've got and, and that 's another thing where they overplayed their hands. If your goal is to get people to be controlled through medicine distrust in medicine is your enemy. And the uh, latest survey I saw, 34% of people in the United States trust the healthcare system, 34%. Well, if you're trying to control people through healthcare, that's not so good either, is it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, My last question is about uh, children. You know, I mean, they've been, I don't know how they've been damaged. I mean, a year or a year and a half in a child's life is much longer than an adult's life. I don't know. I mean, 10, 20 years from now, will we have a generation of children that You know, from birth where I guess, you know, they've been made to comply so that when the time comes again years from now, compliance will be much easier, do you think? Like, what do you think is going to happen to our society and our kids as they're growing up, going through this stuff?
2: I think what's going to happen to our kids is interesting. I think that um, there's definitely some psychological damage. But again, where they screwed up is people pulling their kids out of school. The 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 schooling at home, that's where the parents started getting a hint of what the kids were learning or not learning, as the case may be. And so, you know, you're right that on the one hand, a year or a year and a half is, in a child's life is different than in an adult's life. But the other side of it is you get these kids out of school. Into different learning environments and and restore family time, and that that's another thing that's driving some of this too is the the the, the homeschooling movement um, restores the power back to the family, and people are starting to see how bad it was for their family to be so torn apart. I mean, I've been talking about this for years where you know, you've know, you got a kid in public school where everybody thought that back in the days when everybody was going to school and playing sports and everybody's running around, that was the good old days, right? And now this has happened and this is psychologically damaging. This has happened and it's psychologically damaging, but I can tell you from experience, I've been in this business 26 years in the healthcare business, that when you have people who everything revolves around soccer, and school, instead of ending in Memorial Day and picking up after Labor Day, goes till the middle of June and starts in the middle of August. And then July is when sports t- practice starts. And the kid has to do homework till midnight and play. And everybody's running around all the time. There's no family in it anymore. Everybody's eating McDonald's in the car on the way to the next thing. That The continuation of that is far more awful, in my opinion, than this year and a half of terror followed by we're never going back to that again. Family is important. You're not sitting in your room and doing homework for four hours a night anymore. You're going to go to bed and get a good night's sleep and get up at a reasonable hour. And sports is not going to dictate our life anymore. And so this disconnection from it is helpful. And I'll tell you the other thing that people got disconnected from was the medical system. You know, doctors had trained everybody, particularly kids. You got to hang out with pediatricians twice a year for your kids to be healthy. Well, people stopped doing that and they realize their kids are not unhealthy as a result, and they're not taking them back. You know? so, so I think that this, uh, I don't want to dismiss the damage that's been done to kids as they watched all of this go on. But I think that for thinking parents who are saying, you know, what does our future look like as a family? What does all this stuff mean to me? And there are a lot of thinking people out there, more than the cultural elite uh, want you to know about. I think that this is going to be a great reset in favor of families i I don't like that term, but I think we can use it against them and say you have one kind of great reset in mind. We have a different one.
1: I appreciate all you do, Pam, and like I said uh, I don't know any any last insights that you've gotten that you haven't discussed you know over the past year and a half? I know that you've lost friends, you've gained new friends, you know life has changed a lot, but any other deep insights that you've gotten that you haven't shared yet?
2: Well, I think that the you know everybody wants to frame things based on their experience to a certain extent or everybody does frame things in view of their experience and and i think that um the way that i look at this i i feel that we were rising for some kind of fall you know like i i don't look at 2019 as a great year when everything was swell and gosh if we could just go back there to be great in 2019 Our country was very unstable because of all the bickering back and forth and the division between people. I think that education was terrible. The medical system was terrible. The media was dishonest. And uh, I don't, I can't, when I go back to 2019, I can't fathom any way in which any of that could have changed. And so I don't know if you want to call it God or what you want to call it. Everybody looks at that differently too, but something cataclysmic had to happen in order for civilization to survive because we weren't going to back in 2019. And I stopped longing for my 2019 life a long time ago. So if we play our cards right, we could actually look back on this and say what they did was despicable and I'm glad we made them pay for it. And the people that they killed, that was despicable. But we are in a better place now that we could never have achieved had they not done what they did. And that's what I think.
1: Well, oh, very good, Pam. So, what, where can people go to learn more about your work? Where can they see your videos and how do they join Make Americans Free Again?
2: Well, you go to makeamericansfreeagain.com and join, and you can subscribe to my videos and newsletters by sending me an email at pampoppermsn.com. At you can get involved with our movement at pampoppermsn.com. At so, if you want to get involved in rescuing small businesses, getting kids out of school, and ending censorship for healthcare professionals and and demands on healthcare professionals that are ridiculous, then send me an email. We'll get you involved. The, The faster we grow, the sooner we can make this over.
1: Well, very good, Pam. Thank you for what you do, and thanks for coming back. Thank you for having me. If
0: you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes.